Welcome back to a brand new season of What Do I Know with me, Joanne Pei, as I continue to probe and ask questions to what I don't know. Now, if you're listening to this for the very first time, know that we have got season one and nine wonderful guests already up on Spotify, YouTube, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts for you to listen to. But before you go and listen to that, the most important thing that you have to do is actually to like, rate, and share because when you share more people know about this and then it keeps the whole team here excited to bring you more wonderful guests and better conversations when i talk about the team here i'm talking about the folks at zoda pop by zero media it's just a bunch of young hard-working people i'm gonna make sure that they film them later on so that you get to see their faces uh, about it's all masked up uh, they've been working really hard on this podcast and i think uh, what we are really trying to do is to drive conversations and explore things that we don't know about or think we know but actually there's another side of the story to that uh, this season, we're going to be having more wonderful guests, but since today is the first episode, I am going to kickstart it with a very good friend of mine. And to be honest, he was someone that we wanted to get for season one, but we couldn't get him because schedules didn't match. But I'm so glad that he's here because he's a huge influence in my life. We don't, well, communicate that much, but when we do, it's always mind-blowing. He always drives me to be better. And uh, he's a singer songwriter, actor, music producer, this, like we call him multi-hyphenate these days, uh, who actually isn't content with resting on his laurels. Ever since winning a talent show in 2005, he's continued to work hard, to break boundaries, and he did one of the things that would be really daunting for me, which is to move from Singapore to Chennai so that he could break into Hollywood and score films there. And he actually scored eight films. I mean, all of us have got 24 hours in a day, but I don't know, this guy just seems to have 48. And I'm just wondering how he does it, which is why I'm going to cut short this introduction and bring him on straight away so that he can tell us more about how he managed to do so much with so little time and constantly be able to improve himself and motivate himself. I have with me today, Shabir. Hi. Hey, what's <laughs> up? <laughs> well, that's a very long one. <laughs> it's a very long one because I had to do the introduction to season two. And also because, you know, I'm so excited about you. Uh, just, just, just the whole story of how we met and how you inspire me. I think it's like a friendship that I never expected would happen. So we got casted together. Yeah. In a TV show called Kyungsak Street, where yeah. we are a couple. And then we were sitting in the van one day waiting. I still for remember the first time. What's the first thing you told me? What was the first thing? Do you thing remember I, what was the first no, thing? No, I don't. Me? What was the first thing I told you? I was sitting down, putting on my makeup, and you're like, gosh, you have very long eyelashes. <laughs> <laughs> and you're like, why does a guy need such long eyelashes? I want some of that. <laughs> That's the first thing you told me. Oh my god, I still remember. <laughs> I was like, who's this girl <laughs> talking about my eyelashes? <laughs> so what I remember from our encounter was us sitting in the van waiting for our scene mm. at, 
I think it was at some boutique hotel in Chinatown. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I think I asked you, like, what actually, what do you do or something? Mm. And then you said you you write music. Yeah. I was like, cool. Like, oh, like, do you, have you got anything to share? And then you shared Singanadu with me. Mm. And that was before it became like the national song. Yeah, I gave you a preview. Yeah, you gave me a preview, yeah. and and I think you you loaned me your, your earpiece or something, <laughs> and I listened to it, and my hair just stood on ends. I remember that feeling. I always remember that feeling, because the music was just so infectious. It was like it brought me to a space. Like I just felt so nationalistic for whatever reason. I don't know what it was. I didn't understand the language, but. The instruments used and the whole just arrangement was so powerful, and and that left a really really deep impression. And then I, and then you told me that you wanted to submit it to the national yeah. day. It wasn't and, slated for national day release yet, and the song because it's a ground up project. Yeah. We assembled it on our own. Yeah. We didn't take uh, funding for the from the committee or anything like that. It wasn't government funded. It was a ground up project. So at that point, there was still a lot of uncertainty. I only had the song done. I haven't even shot the video and stuff. Yeah. And I think I was very excited to just share it to people. And I was so privileged, I felt like, to be the, one of the first few people to Oh, yeah. It. I'm so glad I shared it with and you. And I remember I told you, I said, you must, you must, you must, you must submit this because it's like so, like, it's been a long time. And you also said this, right? That, like, since, what was that? Munir Valiba. Yeah. That's the only National Day song. That's that the only National Day Tamil song, Tamil song that we have. That we have. And it, it's, a, it's a great song. It's a fun song. But the song is also sung wrongly in some places oh. due to how the syllables are placed and stuff. Mm. So I always felt like, hmm, we need a song, you know, that kind of represents the community and also the nation can sing together as one. But of course, initially I was like, ah, I'm supposed to do it. I'm just a, like a reality show winner, you know, singer. <laughs> a reality <laughs> show? Is a, it's a talent show. What are you talking about? Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's a talent show, but still like, there are all these doyens in the industry and yes, yes. I must come in and assemble a project. Like, do I have it? Yes. Do I have what it takes? Sounds like very big, you know, responsibility, quite a lot of money going in and stuff like that. So I think I was definitely very insecure at that point mm. of whether I could do it or not. I know that I can write a good song. Mm. But can I try? But it doesn't mean that you have a good song, a good idea, it'll translate into a good project which will reach out to people, right? Mm. So that was what I was not sure about. But I guess it's like people like you are subconsciously you know, whispering into my ears, shit, it's so good. You should do something, do something, do something. Yeah, yeah, and you're yeah, like, yeah. fuck, let's do something. <laughs> and then you put it together and then you put it out and then everybody likes it. Yeah, I was so proud of you because, you know, you. I remember you telling me that it was, like you said, it's a ground-up initiative. Mm -hmm. Like, you, actually, you don't even have to do it, right? But you felt the need to do it and you pulled it off so beautifully. And I don't know if you remember me ever telling you that, that you're like the Hans Zimmerman of Singapore. <laughs> Do you remember me telling you this? Hans Zimmer of Singapore, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And, and, and I was also very moved by that. That was a poetry thing that you did with... Yeah. Um, Swasim, yeah. Yeah, at, at that time with uh, Ezra Nathan as well, That's right, right? that's right. Ezra Nathan, Minister Ishwaran, yeah, a couple other people. Yeah. We took our Rumi's poems, Tagore's poems. Yeah, yeah. and the music was... I, I mean, I, I don't understand a word, but the music... And that was when I realized that music knows no boundaries. For sure. And I think that's the difference. And that's why I like your music so much because I think that's that's really what captivates me. I believe like all of us have got different levels of passion. Mm -hmm. And I don't know, it's a mixture of things like your genetic programming and how you grew up and your childhood, etc. And that passion kind of fills up and you need to find a way to sort of release it. Mm. And if you don't know, then some people resort to crime and they do things which are 
like you know which society will not see in a favorable way yes but basically passion at its core is energy right mm. and energy does not discriminate mm. so when someone finds their path and then they know that okay i want to use and convert this energy and put it for good mm. for good use and that's how music sort of saved me and that's how i managed to use my passion for you know good purposes hopefully so far but th- it's because i've got a lot of it i need to find ways to get it out so i need very little rest but i need to work a lot more and i live a very work oriented life mm. and i find purpose and meaning through work so i'm just doing like what's natural for me and what i need to do in order to sort of thrive and not just survive so maybe that's the reason why i end up doing like quite a lot of things how do you even understand this about yourself that you're someone who thrives on very little sleep and that you actually need like all this work to to keep you sort of charged up i think it comes from the things uh, you know that we 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 need to have which is uh, one of the things is like self awareness mm. and self awareness is increased by doing certain things like meditation spending a lot of time with your thoughts and journaling it's always interesting to kind of do an audit of of your thoughts and your emotions and revisit them sometime later and i think that always uh fills up the reservoir of self awareness and over time you're going to have enough where you clearly know that this is where you need to go this is mm. where you don't want to go sometimes you know someone calls you out and then you're like obliged to go but you don't want to go it's because you know whether it's going to be good or not what's the energy you're going to get from the person etc mm. i mean looking at you i mean you didn't grow up easy as well mm. you know would you want to tell us a little bit about that and how that has impacted you yeah, as an adult sh- sure so my parents split when i was uh, they they were very different people okay my mother is like light she's god and my dad is like dark like dude is like scary okay <laughs> he's next level yeah so they split when um i was 4 and i never saw him after that right so uh it was difficult because you're growing up as a kid and you don't have a reference to how to grow up into a man mm. because your dad is not there mm. and your mother needs to now feed three boys put food on the table take care of the house so you're not getting her also You know what I'm saying mm-hmm. you have to share her between three even when she's back home mm. after working three shifts and now you just left on your own and you're just kind of technically growing up on your own trying to figure things out mm. and I think that was the most challenging part for me but the great thing about that is when I grew up I needed mentor I need I needed mentors I needed like a a guy role model yeah I needed role models to see so I think naturally I started looking for them in books but you know that wait wait before you get there I mean this story is not uncommon and you, we've also seen what happened to some of them who went the other way. Yeah. Like was there anyone I mean maybe your brother or someone someone in your life that actually you think would have prevented you from going down that path or I did. Or you did went I down did, that path. Yeah. <laughs> I was in gangs actually. Okay. And I was there for a few years and we fought a lot like I broke this finger in a, in a fight. And uh, I've seen a friend's, you know, uh, I've seen a like a 12-inch spanner being driven into a friend's head in front of my eyes, and uh, yeah, I've been into a lot of brawls and and all that kind of stuff, and uh, yeah, it wasn't a good thing. But it, you see, there's sometimes right, like society judges someone that they are bad, but think about this: I grew up in a house where you know 
my mom did her best and I'm I'm lost and then I because of that I become a very quiet introverted kid and I go to primary school I get bullied because I'm quiet mm. you know what I'm saying mm. I get bullied and then when I go to secondary I'm like fuck you guys I'm not going to let you bully me anymore I'm going to you know control be the this bully. yeah not really be the bully <laughs> but I'm going to control yeah. this from now yeah. on you know so I went in first day they call it I don't know what they call it nowadays but they call it sapala where you walk like swinging your arms behind your back you know the kind of thing so you walk into school like that but that attracts trouble you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. you're trying to tell people like don't fuck with me but people are going like shit let's fuck with him the kind of thing <laughs> and they come, they come look looking for you and they're like are you the guy who walked in the school like what's your problem then it starts like that right. so you start fighting you start getting into brawls you start fighting one two three someone along the line is going to be connected to some triad mm. and you're going to fight him and you're going to beat him and the whole tribe is going to come looking for you mm. now you need to join and try to protect yourself <laughs> whose fault is this you know what i'm saying yes, yeah yes. i mean i know of course you have choice not to like sapala into the school <laughs> <laughs> on day one but inside you you're fighting something you see yes. you want to feel some sort of validation you want to feel important in some way i'm just grateful that like music saved me mm. you know and i think my mother's prayer saved me uh-huh. yeah but but i always um would like to think that there's there is like there could be other deeper reasons on why an individual does something like we we cannot just look at things as black and white because there's so many other mm. like social you know reasons and personal reasons yeah i totally agree with you on this because i have a friend who works in a school as a counselor and you know when you see the problem kids you know those who fight and they play truant and they harass teachers and and other other uh, other other students a lot of it is the family background and sometimes when you don't have that the guidance from a, a, an adult that's what happens and and we are always so quick to judge like oh this person is bad and we want to kind of box this person up yeah. to help us maybe make sense of what it is about mm. but actually you know there are a lot of problems that need to be solved And for you, right? You went through all that. Was was there like a turning point for you where you just realized that no, I mean I got to stop this. You know, I got to channel this energy that I have somewhere else. Yeah, I I did have a turning point and uh I think I was um 20. Mm. And we had this very big so-called gang war with a big gang, much bigger than us. And at that point, um I remember that I already left like the triad Now we're just a click. It's a bit different, okay? That means we're just a group of friends. You're mm. no longer a part of a triad. But we got into a problem, very stupid problem, okay? We went to a club, still stare, they can't shit, you know, and then it started. And um after that, we got into a fight and one of them went into a coma for two days. Yeah, so it got really bad because we didn't expect it to be that bad. But they found me uh I was working in a condo as a security guard. Okay, I was uh, 20, I think, yeah. Went to a condo, worked security guard. So just right before that, two months ago, I went for Vasantham Star Audition, which is the singing competition that I won on Vasantham. And then they said we'll announce the result. They haven't announced the result, so I don't know that my path is music yet. Mm. I went for the audition and I forgot about it. So I'm coming down, walking down, bag is packed into the condo. About ten, I see these guys, eight guys with helmets and hockey sticks waiting outside the condo. Okay, oh <laughs> I'm like. Oh. shook as fuck <laughs> looking at them <laughs> but I didn't run yeah I didn't run I was just standing there I was like okay we're going to take this and they came it lasted for quite a while until someone said police and they started running 
I had like a very badly bruised and a little bit of blood and all that. And then, um, um, yeah, I, I went to the hospital that night and stuff. And my clique came and they met me in the hospital. See, when all this is happening, my mother is not even in Singapore. She has gone to India for a trip to meet her relatives and all that. Mm. And I was lying there in the hospital. And then I was thinking, ruminating that I'm here if I die. My mother is in India and she worked so hard to bring three boys up just for this shit. For me to die in like, you know, I think it was Tantok Singh lah. Yeah, in the hospital without even she seeing me. Just as I thought, the boys came in and, they, and then they were like, we're going to go and we're going to fuck them up. Yeah, that's what's going to happen. We're going to get back at them. Mm. And I said, no, we're stopping. It's going gonna, it's gonna to stop with me. I think they're satisfied that this is done. And after this, we'll go and talk to them and we will put a closure to this. So I think that's where I was tested, whether would I want to like, you know, mm. succumb to my lesser self and take revenge or would I want to bring the entire clique out of it? Because if, in order to give, to, to, to seek, to extract revenge, right, you need to join a gang again and this whole thing never ends, right? Mm. But I decided to put a stop. I put a stop, two weeks later I get a call, you're selected, you know, uh, part of the, you know, into the uh, quarterfinals. Mm. Yeah. And that's how it started. And then I went into music after that and then of course, you know, I didn't turn back. But I feel like God was testing me. One last test, you know, <laughs> you're going to pass this or you're going <laughs> to screw this up. And I think I passed that because of that. My goodness, I, that brings tears to me because I think maybe because now that I'm a mom, mm. you just feel so precious about your babies, and and when you say that, you know, you, as a as a child who's thinking, you know, for your mom in that way, I guess that's what we want as parents, isn't it? For sure, and and you always think about your children, you pray for them, you know, yeah. you think about them, you only want good things for them, and hopefully that kind of creates a layer of protection for the for the kids, you know. Mm. I think that's what my mom did for me. I mean. Part of the Yellow Ribbon Project, I went to the prison to judge. Mm. So many of them playing on stage are all my gangmates, actually, my ex-gangmates. And then after the show, I was like, can I go and talk to them? And I was like, yeah, and then I went and talked to them, you know. And then they were like, oh, how are you, man? Good to see you. I know my mother told me when she came to visit that you won the competition and you're doing well and all that. And then I was just like absorbing everything. I was thinking that that could be me on that stage. Yeah. You know, and I, I really think it's something more, I don't know. It's really mother's prayers, lah. Mm. So yeah. You mm. also mentioned just now before I, I, you know, I got you to share this story was that you found your own role models. Yeah, I did, right. I did, and like, it's because of books. Um, my brother, my eldest brother, used to bring me to the to a bookshop, mm. and we used to like borrow books and buy books and read. So a lot of my mentors are like dead men <laughs> who wrote books yeah yeah so so I, I get a lot of guidance for from from all these guys and i think um i don't think one person can solve or give you the advice that you require mm. for everything mm. i think everybody has got different perspective and we need to kind of be very self-aware so that we can learn from different school of thoughts and mm. kind of amalgamate it into a single philosophy that works for us so it can be authentic. Mm. Because one man's medicine might be another man's poison, vice versa, right? Mm. So that's the reason why I go into like, to learning from many authors. And we don't just need mentors when we're in 20s, okay? 30s, 40s, you need mentorship. Mm. Even if you're a mentor to other people, you still need mentorship. Mm. I want to ask you like, how do you like get the dose of mentorship or who, what do you seek uh, where do you seek guidance from for you? 
I think the same through books. Through books, huh? Yeah, that's why I, th- I mean, I, I think we connect in that way because I am very inter- interested in philosophies. Mm. And I also sort of learn from the books that I read and and um, the philosophies that I come across. And I'm quite open to different uh, schools of thought. So that's kind of how I, um, yeah, I, I get my dose of... Do you have a go-to philosophy? Mm. A particular school of philosophy or you're just open? I'm just open. But I remember we talked about stoicism before. I mean, people think that stoicism is like having a stiff upper lip. You yeah. know? But it's not the, the case. In stoicism, they always suggest voluntary discomfort. Like eating meals which are very simple for an extended period of time, mm. cold showers, sleeping on a flat surface, you know, hard surface, all these kind of things, la. and uh, physical exercise, etc. all these things. So uh, it is basically to train your mind so they become more fortified. I also sometimes intentionally put myself in uncomfortable situations, not, mm-hmm. not, not physically uncomfortable, mm-hmm. um, but doing things that I, I'm not good at, like the podcast, for example. Mm-hmm. No, you're um, good. You're doing good. What well, when, I mean, when I first started, I was full of insecurities and all that. Right. So, um, yeah, I, I think I always intentionally put myself to do things that I am not necessarily good at. Mm. But then I'm also the kind of person who, if I were to do something, I want to do it well. Yeah. So, so that is also a little bit, I'm hearing from you what stoicism is. And then watching my thoughts, that's also what I practice. Mm. Also, I think in the last couple of years, learn to be less hard on myself. Yeah. You know, how I must do this, I must complete this and this and that. And then if I, like, I need to make everything work the way I envision it. Mm. And if it doesn't, then I feel like I'm a failure. Mm. Like I haven't... I haven't put in my best and I, you know, I, I would just beat myself up over it. But then now I, I realize that I'm just a little bit more, I don't know, calm about things. For sure, because in Stoicism, like you're thought that there are two things, very broad categories. Mm. One category is things that are within your control. Mm. And the other one is things that are out of your control, beyond your control. Mm. So we only focus on what's within our control. And because I'm someone who wants everything to go in the way that I want it to go. You know, I'm very mm. like OCD about that thing, mm. you see. But yeah, that also caused a lot of anxiety. Like I was battling with like anxiety for a very long time because of that mentality. Like I want everything to be done in the way that I want it to be done. Mm. I, want the, I want to control outcomes. I used to want to control outcomes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know, you know yeah, what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. I, I feel you. That's why I said, you know, when we talk, I, I, I see like a lot of myself in you as mm. well. And also the past that we've been through. Yeah. Because uh, you also didn't have it easy. I think when you started in your career as well, you also had a lot of... Just, negative chatter about you for and sure and, and, well. and i always saw myself as an outsider when i came into the industry mm. because you know like everybody would be like talking about something and i don't have anything to talk talk with, with with anyone in the industry also you know like uh all these insecurities of am i good enough to be here was it a fluke <laughs> you know <laughs> that i won all these questions start you know uh coming up and sometimes they're even fair and uh, sometimes the answer could be, yeah, maybe you're not good enough and you need to work and become better, you know, before the time is up sort of thing. And so easy to kind of stumble and get into a place where you're becoming very OCD about things mm. and anxiety starts creeping in. I don't know how to like deal with that. Even today it can happen to me, uh, although it's a lot lesser now. Has mm. that happened to you? Like now I'm not so hard on myself, right? When I do something and I feel like I've already done my best, even if the outcome is not what I hoped it would be, I'm happy. 
you know, I, I won't, I won't be like, oh, you know, like I should have done this. And even if I go through that whole process, of, oh, I should have done this, I should have done that. It's more like a post-mortem thing, yeah. right? And then how about maybe the next round, if I do get a chance to do this again, that maybe I can change certain things mm -hmm. and see what happens. I, I, I realize that now I don't attach myself so much to the re end result and what comes out. So it's always the process that I kind of like focus a little bit more energy on. Yeah. And then once I, I'm done with the process, like I, I, can I just even say I don't really care about the results as much? Mm. I, and, I tr and I trust that with this process that I've gone through, that things will work out. And if it doesn't work out, it's, it's meant to not work out for something else to come along or for mm. me to learn this lesson so that I could implement it somewhere else. Right. I, I want you to share your process of um, writing music because I think that has got a lot to do with why I like your music, right? Because when I hear it, it's it's not just instruments, you know. I, I, I feel like there's a scene mm. or there's like a, a an emotion that I'm... I'm being led on, like it's like an emotional journey that I'm being led on, you know? For sure, for sure. But it's also because I think you are very universal in your perspective of the world. Mm. And I think like having interacted with you, that's why we're very similar because we are not confined by our, we're enriched by our culture, mm. but not confined. You know what I'm saying? Mm. Yeah, we allow it to enrich us, to go out there and seek more and learn more. I think you're someone who's like that. Mm. Because, yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, today, everybody like who listens to Singinari, they love Singinari. Also, good news to share is that it's officially part of MOE's uh, curriculum right now. They're going to teach it every year, yeah, in 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 uh, during National Day and stuff. My but, children loved it too. So oh, they get to learn that in school now. Man, ah, I'm, so, I'm so happy. You should send me a video of them singing. I'll see it. Oh, so cute. <laughs> I'd love to see them sing. I'd love to see a video. Okay. So, so I, I really think that, um, you know, singing out is one thing. Everybody likes it. It's supposed to be a song which doesn't matter. You're Malay, Chinese, mm. Indian, whether you speak Tamil, Eurasian, you know, any race, you're supposed to like the song. Mm. But Swasim is a little bit more eclectic. And you liking it means you're weird. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> you're different. <laughs> you're different, yeah. So I think you have this um, very... Um, broad and 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 you know uh eclectic taste which i think is great la. no la, i don't think so i just think it's, it's not your your usual not, singaporean taste oh you know? okay, okay yeah i think it's, it's a bit different yeah i'm not weird no you're not <laughs> weird uh, I, I just threw it in to get a reaction but but no i think that's because of you yeah yeah i think singing out everyone will like but swasim is a very different story altogether like you need to be a bit more inclined to you know uh, listen to stuff like that. I feel, I feel. No, actually, I, I want you to share your process of um, writing music because I think that has got a lot to do with why I like your music, right? Because when I hear it, it's it's not just instruments. You know, I, I, I feel like there's a scene mm. or there's like a, a, an emotion that I'm, I'm being led on. Like it's like an emotional journey that I'm being led on, you know? Mm. And I think that's the difference. And that's why I like your music so much because I think that's that's really what captivates me. And you've also shared your process with me a little bit before. So I think it, I think it's really that. And I think the listeners should know a little bit about how you sort of write music. Because 
I told you the other day when we were doing the pre-talk, right? Mm. That, you know, this documentary on CNA, yeah. uh, you scored the music for it. Yeah. But then when I saw you talk about it on your social media, I was like, did, did you act in it or host in it or something? Because you're mm -hmm. a multi-hyphenate, you do so much, right? Because mm. you're talking about it like you're so into the, 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 the documentary, like you're part of the story. Right. Yeah, so, so tell us a little bit about your process of creating music. Yeah, quick plug. You guys can check that out on Instagram, Shabri Music, <laughs> to, to find out what Joanne is talking about. But I understand because I'm, to put it in context, to ensure that the listener understands is that I'm talking about that particular episode where I'm talking about like kids who have mm. to walk miles to actually attain an education. And it's about educators who are living in very uncomfortable conditions to provide an education to these children. Mm. And we... We had four countries that we featured in that in that series. See, I'm talking like as if I'm the producer of the show. Yeah, now. exactly. I know, I know, I know. Yeah, <laughs> I know. That's where the confusion starts. Like, what did he do in this? He's just like composing music, but why is he talking yeah. about the story and the yeah. arc and and the motivation and things like that? Because I do believe that before um, we put you know pen to paper to write a score or put our fingers place our fingers on on the keyboard or the piano or the guitar we have to completely get intimate with the subject and the story. We have to know what is it about. It cannot be an assumption of, oh, this is what it could be. No, we really, really, really need to know and get to the depth of it. We need to understand. If I don't do that, what will happen is I might come up with something like, you know, pseudo motivational, you know, because my understanding is not correct. But what I'm trying to do with my score is to tell the story you have to gain a very intrinsic understanding of the subject and the story and all the human profiles in it because it's all human stories, you know. So I, I, I always like to think as I'm part of the, of the story, I'm part of the narrative before I, write, I start writing the score. And my process will differ from every project to project. Mm. I don't have a, like a fixed process. I think it all just starts, I'm a blank piece of paper. I don't know anything. Sometimes I'm just confused. I don't know how to start. But I only get the answers when I really get intimate with the with what the show is about, mm. with the story in it. And at the end of the day, music is, is helping you tell the story better. It's trying to sort of tell things that language cannot tell, communicate ideas, emotions, that language cannot communicate. Yeah. Your voiceover won't do it for you. Yeah. Someone talking won't do yeah. it for you. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. The narrator cannot do it, but the music is doing that. The music is communi communicating hope and you don't even know that it's doing that to you. Your talent and your the way you look at music and the way you, you, you write songs, it's so refreshing mm -hmm. for me and, and that we don't get it in our industry. Right. You know, and, and if there was just something that could come out of this, it would be so wonderful. What would you do if you have an opportunity? Like I said, if I were to do ever like do a film, like I would want you to be part of it. Like I mm. would want your input. I would want you to sort of, you know, tell me what sort of music that that would move, you know, the story along. Because sometimes it's also that 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 feeling that you get from the music that inspires me. Right. Right. So so I mean, I guess we start small, right? We start with um this podcast jingle. <laughs> so nice. at this point that we are having this conversation, mm. we haven't quite heard the final product yet, mm -hmm. uh, but I'm so honored that you're willing to write us a jingle. Oh, I'm so happy to give you this little gift, you know. 
uh, when you started the podcast, we've been talking about this. I told you that I want to do a podcast at some point. <laughs> I beat you too. And you, you beat too, me yeah. to it. <laughs> but, but it's great because um, I'm so proud of you. Because you know why? I really respect you because you could just like do the normal things like the usual things you know get hired and there's a lot of people who want you to like get on their projects etc doing a podcast takes a lot of energy and you need to put your you know best foot forward and 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 go forward and do it and it it requires you to have a certain drive it requires you to sort of be genuine to communicate certain ideas which may help people you know whether entertain educate enrich you know whatever the, the purpose may be and I do listen to the podcast. I'm checking out some of the subjects that you're talking about. And they're all very useful. I'm pretty sure it's going to connect to a lot of people. It is already connecting to a lot of people. So I really appreciate the fact that what you are teaching me and everyone else is that you can already be established in something uh, in a particular field. But there's always room. There are always opportunities for you to actually go slightly out of your comfort zone mm. and do something else which may add value to the world. And sometimes it just requires you to take that first bold step mm. and everything will fall in place. Mm. So I'm like, okay, now my friend has done this. Now I need to do something to show her that I appreciate her. So rather than just coming for the show, which is great, <laughs> but I'm going to do something which no one else can do. None of the other guests can do. <laughs> so I'm going to write a soundtrack and she'll remember me <laughs> for the rest of the seasons. <laughs> yeah. So it's, it's just something... To, to kind of, uh, it's a mark of friendship, to be very honest, yeah. Because at the end of the day, like, that music that we're writing for you, uh, it's not just me, my whole team at Shabri Music Asia, they're all very happy mm. that, hey, let's do it for Joanne, you know. And like, uh, and everybody's like, just excited to come on board and sponsor the, 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 the soundtrack mm. because they know that you're doing good work and we just want to be part of that good work in some little way. Oh, this is so yeah. nice to hear because I think the team over here at um, Zoda Pop Zero Media, they're also very excited. And, you know, just going through this process with you and your producers about, you know, you're, you're listening to our podcast, you're trying to understand what we're trying to achieve and, yeah. and even all that you're saying about me, you know, stepping out of my comfort zone and all that. I'm just wondering how all that's going to sound, mm -hmm. you know, because I know that your music has been able to take me on an emotional journey. And that's why I hope that this podcast that I'm doing, to, along with the music and all that, would take my listeners on a journey as well. Yeah, I, I hope so too. We're in the process of discovering it. Yeah, once we're done, let you know. Yeah. <laughs> You've got so much going on. You're just like so motivated all the time and... There was a time, I think, I, I did text you last year telling you I was just going through a really bad patch. Mm. I was really feeling really down and it was just, just no good. I was just, I feel like I was just complaining all the time. Mm. Uh, yeah, that was the time where I was really down low. I just needed like the fire, like someone mm. with fire to sort of help me out of it. Mm. And I think this is also one of the ways, I guess, when people are feeling down, to be able to find those around you in your circle that has got that kind of positive, that kind of energy, that, that kind of fire that can lead you into the right direction. Maybe not immediately, you know, but just being there as a sort of like a nagging reminder. Yeah. I think yeah. that helps too. For sure. And, and that is why it's so important to have precepts in place. Um, precepts which will guide you, which, which know that you're not supposed to break this particular deal. For example, like if you have like certain precepts of like 
walking at 7pm on your own and gathering thoughts and, you know, sort of auditing what happened in the day, mm. which are things that people say that disturbed you or which are the good things. If you have that particular, you know, practice, you should never remove it, rain or shine. You should try your best to to do it. And even if you can't do it for a couple of days, do some reason, you should always go back to it. Mm. So I think all of us have our own way of coping. And I think it's so important for us to continue doing that. So what is yours now? So I developed precepts when I was going through a very difficult time in my life where I moved to India. I signed my first film, but the film is not releasing. It's just mm. stuck in the cans. Oh, I hate it. Marriage is like rocky coming to an end, okay? Oh. And then like you're separated from your family and you're in a different country mm. and you don't have anyone to talk to. Mm. Because at that point when I was going through a lot of difficult things in mm. my life, I had no one to sort of talk to mm. except for myself, mm. you know. That's when the whole journaling thing went on steroids. <laughs> I started writing a lot. And um, I remember I I have an apartment in India also, so I, I used to sleep in that, in that particular room. And I used to feel like a hellhole because every night you're unable to sleep. Right. Oh you go to bed God. at 11 and you're still in bed until like 3, 4 a.m. And you know you need to sleep so that you can, you can get up and do work. Right. And that is like an everyday affair because you're so uncertain about the future. Mm. That's how anxiety comes about, right? Mm -mm. So fucking anxious, upset, battling depression, all on your own in a different country, mm. without friends, without family. That's crazy. Yeah. And that's when I decided that, okay, I don't want to be this. I thought of my kids. And then I was like, oh, what kind of dad do I want to be? You know, what kind mm. of example do I want to be? At the same time, I also thought about this long journey that I've come, you know, that I've taken, you know, from near-death experiences, being in the gangs and coming in the music industry, all for this, you know, for me to like be this low. Then suddenly I realized that, shit, I'm so low, there's no lower to go. <laughs> You're already right down, bro. Oh. I was like that. I was like, shit. Like, after this, any lower, it's like the freaking grave. <laughs> or it's just up. Both ways, I'm good. Okay, it's not my time, so I'm going to go up. And I thought, all right, you know what? I'm going to change some things. So what I did is, the room which I used to sleep in. Right. That I, this is the first time I'm mentioning it, like, on like a platform sort of thing. All right, we've yeah, got yeah. exclusive I've scoop. Never, I've never spoken about this thing that I did. Okay. Okay. Uh, Thank you so much for giving us exclusives. No, it's just you. It's just like you sitting there. I can't help but talk about all, all these things. All right. <laughs> this is my friend right here, right? Yeah. So, you know, you end up sharing this kind of stuff. So what I did is that bedroom, which became like a like a nightmare, I changed it. I, I told myself that I'm going to move everything out of that room, shift it to another room. And I'm going to make this place, which sort of, destroyed me every night i'm gonna change this place where it'll give me wings wow so what i did is i made it into a, what i call a healing room wow so i brought in like carpets to sit down meditate on i brought in like you know incense sticks just mm. to light up and change the vibe of the room i brought in prayer beads that's why i got the habit of wearing prayer beads i'm wearing i have one on me right now mm. you know mm. meditation beads mm. so i brought in meditation beads into the room and uh, I brought in the, the photo of my kids, you know. I changed the energy of the room and the aura of the room by doing all that. And every day I'll go into the room and I will sit down and I will meditate, pray and journal for two hours. 
so that room because I told you right like you're already right at the bottom of things mm. and now you have nothing already now you're going to reconstruct so I chose to reconstruct myself at a certain place which actually was the reason for my destruction in that sense wow so I'm reframing the whole narrative right now and I'm turning this room into a room where I'm going to create a new version of me and I did it so it took me about 1 month to actually do it every single day and after that now like if i'm down and i walk into that room immediately i'm like that's it boom i light up you know what i'm saying wow so you, i managed to change the energy of the whole place and i think that's when it started you know in that room the whole idea of rumination prayer meditation and sticking very close to myself i think it started there mm. and i have carried on it's been uh, many years right now and i'm still doing it Yeah. even in good times I still do it. Mm. I guess uh we need to wrap up the episode because yeah. there's so many gems that you've shared with us today as well and um I guess for our listeners they want to know where they can find you. Yeah, and, sure. Yeah, tell us a little bit. I know you've got Spotify like 400,000 yeah. followers. So if you want to check out the music then it's Spotify just look for Shabir. Right. You'll see my photo there. And uh if you want Instagram then Shabir Music. Mhm. And on TikTok it's Shabir Music. Mhm. I'm a misfit on TikTok. I don't know what I'm doing there but I'm there. So oh, you can still find me. <laughs> yeah. And uh the website is shabirmusicasia.com. We okay. can learn more about the company and the work that we do. Okay. We also support a lot of charitable and social causes. Mm. Yeah, the company does it. And uh yeah, I have a page of my own in the website also. Mm. We can find out more about me and the works and stuff. So yeah, these are the Any acting um jobs or yeah, any shows coming up. So uh there's this project which is called Afterlife that's the title at this point it's an action series set in singapore and my brother is directing it ah yeah. so cuz you you co-own yeah i co-own the company comic really? book and uh i'm a, i'm a co-founder mm. so we worked on the project together we put up a pilot and we're so grateful that the executives were very impressed and we got the project and we're going into shoot later this year so we're very excited about it and i just finished um two projects one is um uh called singlish it's coming on cna okay um in conjunction with national day you might have watched it depending on when this is released <laughs> um the other one is uh it's called nam 2 after a five year sabbatical i'm coming back to act on like uh tamil television on vasantham oh so uh, i play a rogue cop in this series so up your alley yeah it's, it's the beard i think But I like you without the beard. We like without the beard is it? Yeah. But the girl that I'm seeing right now likes me with the beard. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I say to to get validated. <laughs> This has been such a fun episode and a great opener as well for our new season. I hope you've enjoyed my conversation with Shabir. Be sure to follow and subscribe to the podcast on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. If you like what you hear, please leave us a 5-star review and share it with your friends. You can also find a video version of this podcast along with some bonus content exclusively over at my YouTube channel Too Happy Media. This is What Do I Know. Thank you so much for listening. I'll see you in the next episode. Bye. This was a Zoda Pop podcast.